Welcome back to a very special episode of what we do in the Basement Basement Dwellers. I am your host and normally DM, but this time just host because we are doing a very special recap episode. There we go. That sound effect. <laughs> well, I was not ready for that. I, I would like to spend the episode talking about what that was. <laughs> What we heard on the podcast. Um, as uh, I, I mean, you guys could just say hello quickly. I'm, uh, uh, if you guys just want to go around and introduce yourselves in our normal order. Right, I'm Thomas Toes. This is my real voice when I'm not doing this show. Um, <laughs> Wait, the idea is that like your regular voice is an accent you've been putting on. Right, yeah. There's um the Anus voice, which is quite similar to my player voice, and then there's me voice, which sounds like this. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, okay, well, that's... That. No, I, I'm just kidding, you guys. This is me. I will say Natasha turned off her video and started frantically typing when I did that. Yeah. So I'm curious what, she like, complaint email is being you to says, uh, national security. Yeah. Guys, I have an email here from Tash that she quit the pod. Yeah. Um, says she won't work with any people with a big cock knee accent. Yeah. Um... Really unpleasant Uh-oh. stuff. Uh, okay, well, uh, go ahead, Luke. Hi, uh, my name is Luke, and I play Frank, the Bloodpath Abomination, and I greatly appreciate you listening. I will be as sincere as possible for the next ten minutes only. Holy. That I felt like a, a dig at me, honestly. <laughs> I'm also going to try to be sincere, but I was trying to have a little fun, too. Is that a crime? No. <laughs> Uh, Jesse Bergen, what you gotta say? Hello, hello, this is my real <laughs> voice. I don't appreciate Thomas Tolls making fun of my real accent in his bit. And, uh, you sound I... Australian. Yeah, crikey, throw another dice on the barbie. Oh, jeez. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Oh. Um, this is my real voice. Uh, and I'm gonna be as sincere as possible for the rest of this episode. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, what if we all just have heartfelt moments? Uh, and uh, Tash, what's cracking? <laughs> Hello, everyone, and let's give them something to talk about. Okay. Ah! <laughs> I didn't know that you were going to come in with another tune. Hey, that's my shtick. I'm not going to quit now. I'm going to be sincere yeah. in this episode like you <laughs> Yeah, Kevin, we're going to be sincere. You got a problem with that? Yeah, Thomas and I will stay over here on the insincere side of the table. Uh, folks, um, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're we're gonna have a little bit more of a casual episode. Uh, just get get a little bit of a get to know us and things like that. Also gives me a little bit more time to prep for uh, the next uh, set of things that are happening. Um, and I think, firstly, I uh, I mean I, I mean if you guys want to say anything about this, you can. But it's really our first time to kind of like fully step away and talk to the audience a little bit as uh, as ourselves. And I want to say that 
Um, it's been such a cool journey to be on so far, uh, and and I'm really excited to see uh, where we go next. What we're po- sort of hoping to ha- do with this episode is kind of go back through the, some of our favorite moments that have happened over the last arc, things that we liked, things that maybe we wanted to do differently, things that we wanted to just talk about or remember, and kind of just give you a sense of what's happened so far and, uh, and, and a sense of who the players are and who the characters are. Um, so we have some viewer questions that we're going to throw in later on in the episode. If you want to send in your own viewer questions, you can always do that to at uh, or www ditb at gmail.com uh, and, and uh, next time we do one of these recap episodes we can always come back and discuss them um, but Kevin, yeah I'm just gonna yeah is, what's up is it true that we're the first podcast to actually ever do a recap episode uh, I, yeah <laughs> I, I, I've, I've listened to every podcast in the world yeah. and we're actually <laughs> recording this the year is 1993 yeah. when we're recording yeah. this so we are actually yeah. the first to do this Yes, we're also the first podcast. Um, <laughs> right. That is also true. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, that's that's just how, how it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I guess uh, if you guys are fine with it, I can just kind of start back at episode one, talk about some things that happened there, and we can kind of just go. So yeah. I, I, first, the first question I'm actually going to ask you before we even start episode one, and we can kind of go around here and just do this. Let um, uh, w- Like, was there any, like, main reason that any of you decide, like, what was the hook for your character choice? Why this character? Why, uh, you know, and and uh, if anybody feels comfortable answering, they can just pipe up and we can kind of go from there. I, I will say for Anus, I think people picked up on this early, but there was definitely a Norman Bates inspiration for me. I just, I rewatched Psycho shortly before we started this, and I just, <laughs> like, love that character. I know it's, like, kind of a cliche now, but it's just a really fascinating position to put someone in. And I sure. knew that the group needed a healer, and I like playing characters who maybe aren't purely like violent fighters who like have other motivations. So I thought mm-hmm. it would be fun to have someone who was sort of plagued by a lot of guilt and mixed feelings and like had this limited outlook on the world, but also right. has a good heart and is trying to like redeem his sense of himself and all of that. So I, I just thought it would be a fun way to like create a religion based on his childhood rather than like a more traditional paladin uh holy symbol or something mm-hmm. um yeah mm-hmm. love that love that okay cool cool uh what about you tash i know that um you and i had spent quite a bit of time talking about your character prior to the podcast ever really being a thing um because like initially you and i had planned to sort of play a and d game uh, outside of outside of the podcast, and then uh, it sort of fell through as the pandemic kind of geared up for us, and you decided that you could maybe uh, move that character work over into this world. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So this was my first time being exposed to the D and D world, so I really had no <laughs> idea what I was getting into. <clears throat> and so I guess when choosing Rael, um, in any other kind of uh, RPG type game i always gravitate toward elves and whatnot and so that was a no-brainer for me um Mm -hmm. and then uh i fell also into the stereotype of you know orphan outcast kind of thing because that just seems to jive with who i am as a person (laughs) (laughs) examine that as an orphan outcast (laughs) 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 um yeah so like but like so this is since this is my first time and I didn't really have any idea what I was doing. I strived for somebody cool, but then 
had a really hard time because it's like, wait, cool isn't funny. And it, this is where we are now. So <laughs> I think McGinty's pretty cool. Like, it was my goal with him. <laughs> wait, um, sorry, we were supposed to be cool? <laughs> this is a disaster. Yeah. No, that's fair. I remember I remember early conversations you being like, I don't know how to be funny and cool. And I was like, just I think if you try to be, do something that makes you happy, we'll find a way to make it funny. Us and we trying did. to be cool is inherently funny because we're <laughs> yeah. very bad at it. Yeah, yeah. I think if you think back, at, I mean, the last episode we recorded, Frank did this amazingly cool thing, and then just didn't, didn't like, didn't land, stick the landing, and just like it's like yeah, he slaps him or something. Like, I don't know. So yeah. Our, and our idea of cool is describing for 10 minutes an anime sequence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No yeah, regrets. That's true. Uh, it's true. Cool is relative. Um, uh, what, what, Jesse or Luke, what, what do you guys have for, for that? Do you guys have any thoughts about your initial character decisions? Yeah. Um, I was greatly shaped by Diablo 2, the video game. Uh, what? <laughs> Uh, like next, as a person or in the game? Oh, as a person, like, it, it, it's influenced <laughs> how I apply for jobs, uh, my education. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Luke commence, is constantly yeah. trying to kill just, me in person. You just recently got hired at the cow portal, didn't you? <laughs> I know my great hours, great hours there. Um, Nick commences, I think, are fun and cool. Uh, so that's uh, an easy motivation. But I also think for someone like Frank. Necromancy comes from a place where you try to bring back stuff you lost, and I think that's a really nice balance to uh, to walk. So, sure, uh, you get to see lots of kind of like ridiculous choices from Frank because of him trying to counterbalance a lot of sadness that is is, sure. is in there. It's coming, don't you guys? It's coming. <laughs> yeah, the foreshadowing we're giving the audience if they listen to this episode is don't worry, everybody's really yeah. sad. The first um, the first 15 episodes or so are going to be funny and then it will just be tragic the rest of the time. Yeah. Much like us like giving up on our our cockney accents immediately and getting serious. That's also the yeah. arc that this show was going to take. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I uh, I didn't even have to use Aster's shitty like Brooklyn accent for this last episode because he never got a chance to talk. You shot him in the throat before he killed could... him so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, go ahead, Jess. What do you got from McGinty? Uh, Where did that come from? Yeah. Uh, I like sort of. I get. I always go into a D and D game going. I'm gonna make a pretty open ended character and let the game define them by what they do. And then I always throw that out the window and make a whole backstory and everything anyways. Right. right. So for McGinty, I just, uh, in improv, I love just doing an old man voice. I just think it's very fun. Uh, you, honestly, that was the main thing is I wanted to do a character that it had, could do an old man voice. Sure. Uh, and then I was just I, thinking of like, I like contrast in characters. So I was just trying to think mm -hmm. of if this guy's going to be like a rogue and an assassin, what would be mm -hmm. a fun, totally different thing right. to do? Total contrast. So I was like, okay, he's, He's this quiet old man who runs a, a pastry shop, but just just incredibly good and focused at killing people. So sure, and there's sure. I don't know I just like the contrast of that and um, yeah I thought it would be fun to play that up. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I like it. I and like I'd it. also just watched a history of violence. 
uh, right before. No, but but yeah, there's a bit of that in there for sure. Yeah, I've you do have a Viggo Mortensen vibe, actually. <laughs> yeah. My favorite Viggo Mortensen fantasy movie, uh, yeah. History of I, Yeah. Isn't there Frank that, like, recently new- watched Hidalgo, and that's why, <laughs> that's why he's trying to revive his horse. Uh, yeah. Isn't that also the plot in the never-ending story? Yep. That horse does not get revived. No. Oh, Hidalgo, deep cut. Yeah. (laughs) I've never seen it. I don't understand the reference, Uh, but I believe you. Good movie. Good movie. That's fun. Yeah. Um, Great. Also, uh, speaking to the contrast idea, when we introduced our characters and, like, Jesse's describing this old man, and I'm describing this old man. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, we. Well, that was the other thing. Oh, there was my like character likes zero. sweet things, and his character yeah. likes spicy things. <laughs> there, was no, there was no session zero that, that, that we recorded or anything. Um, but, and and, I, and I, we had maybe had like a group chat about it, but I think everybody had kind of decided to design their characters separately. And so I'd had like, I'd had individual conversations with each of you about your characters uh, to varying degrees, depending on how much of your backstory you'd flesh out um but but i remember sitting there with the express knowledge that two of the four people on the podcast were playing old human men right and well, then, we, have, we have two old human men and then two like elves with a haunted past like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah, the, the two yeah. archetypes of dnd yeah. yeah yeah exactly and and that uh, like especially hilarious and i think we've done a really good job of like creating different different oh. things for these people but like mm. it is very funny to me that luke independent of jesse came to me and was like i want him to be interested in spices and that's gonna be a big thing and then jesse's like this guy knows baking and i'm like <laughs> i like yeah what the hell i remember when i think because i think thomas you might have decided on your character last and i think when we were talking you were like uh okay like what is it that we need and i'm like oh, okay we could use like a, a healing class of some kind and then you and i was like and also like maybe just avoid food <laughs> like, this guy likes yeah. a sour taste sour <laughs> that's it took me a while but anus is now eating mainly gruel so that is a good <laughs> contrast <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, I think Luke and um, I were just both hungry when we created. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Never yeah. create a D and D character when you're hungry. It'll, you'll put in all yeah. sorts of skills you don't need. Yeah. Never, never point by when you're hungry. Um, Can I ask kind of a follow up question to that? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Just while we're talking about character development, how how did your character change in a way that like surprised you? Maybe from what right. you first conceived of it. Because that's always yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, I think um, uh, uh, one thing that emerged naturally in the group was um, every character having like a big aversion to a noose, like from <laughs> early on. Which I knew, I knew he was a bit of a weirdo, but I, I don't think I was like anticipating that he was like his loner. I mean, it, it actually makes perfect sense that he would go out in the world and he wouldn't have the social skills to like connect with people, even though that's the thing he's really trying to do. So I actually like that as a character detail, but it was, I think I like shared Anus's optimism that everyone, once I get out there is going to like want to be part of this. And then it was it. funny to discover that like he's off putting, which makes sense. You know? <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. What about you, Rail? Um, I think I I have to say that I didn't intend her to be as in, as violent as she's turning out to be. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm There's really a enjoying deep it. Deep bloodlust in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, I really had a hard time kind of figuring out what kind of character and like quirks she could have, but, uh, violence, overt violence was not one of them. And, uh, but I'm glad I found it. So <laughs> it also offers like a nice contrast to like Anusa's developing, uh, non-violence, right? right? Like yeah. it's, it's, uh, I think that's kind of interesting... where it spurred yeah. from being like, let's be friends and says Anusa yeah. and then Rael's yeah. like, fuck that. They tried to hurt us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think exactly. that there have been a few moments where Anus is like honestly struggling with the group because he's like, this is like a path I'm not super comfortable with if that's the way we're gonna like we haven't discussed right. our characters like shared morality or views really that yeah, much. And true. like mm, maybe right. they're different, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I guess like even on that point and from a rail perspective, uh I guess where she's from, and we haven't really delved into that too much, mm -hmm. this is kind of normal and not really that bad compared to what she has experienced in her past. Mm -hmm. um, maybe we'll see that later. Who knows? Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. What about you, Frank? Did you have, are there deviations or are you, are, are you exactly where you thought you'd be? <laughs> Frank is a perfectly sculptured vision <laughs> of what was being made. Yeah. No. Luke, Luke, Luke in session zero was like, I'm going to jump out of a pit with my ass in, uh, in, in, in episode 12 or whatever. Like, somehow, yeah. some way, I'm going to make everyone say that I smell. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I wanted Frank to be kind of a curious optimist. And then, so I was like, yeah, like, do more talking, try to, like, deal with things nonviolently. And then the first few encounters uh, between mostly the spice interactions just kind of turned them into, uh, he tries to engage too much and it will always go worse for everyone. Right. Which Frank, I think Frank has, is very friendly. Which, which like, is also just a very Luke Cessalon style. Sure. Of yeah. Yeah. Play, yeah. I will say. <laughs> <laughs> which also feels like it's a nice, like uh, counterbalance to McGinty, who is like clearly very sensible and knows how to go about stuff. Yeah. It's like, let's, Let's stealth. Let's figure this out. And Frank's like, I'm gonna talk to that guy. Maybe we're gonna butt out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. I think that's fair. And how about you, Jess? Where what was like as as you said, you spent a lot of time thinking about McGinty more than you had intended. Yeah, initially. I mean, at least backstory wise, like I try to leave it very sure. open ended, like moving forward. Uh, yeah. I received a great gift from Thomas in like the first episode when he joked about. McGinty being a small business tyrant. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about that aspect, but I loved it immediately. And just yeah. him being like really cheap and stingy was just really <laughs> funny to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. So good. He's like yeah. still kind of a cranky old man when it comes to running his business. Yeah. Um, and yeah. deeply cares about it and wants to cut yeah. corners, which yeah. he's just very funny. It is that is like the other thing. Like we've got these two old men, but like one of them like wants to do different things in the world, wants to make friends with different people. Yeah. McGinty kind of is like, fuck off like, and let me I'm hang good, out with my man. wife and like, my bakery. I have, yeah. I'm happily married. I'm running my little bakery. Yeah. And I've had enough adventure, I'm fine. Yeah, Thank yeah you. he's definitely yeah. like he's lived all the adventures already, which I also thought totally. was a fun angle. Like he's seen all yeah. this shit and he's kinda like nonchalant about it to an extent. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But and it's also really fun. Kind of the they've kind of paired off a bit. Like McGinty and Rael have more in common because like they're willing to be violent in order to achieve what they think they need to achieve. And then Anus right. and Frank have sort of paired off as yeah, like these the, like yeah optimistic like naive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I just it's this really fun organic pairing that sort of occurred that I really like. Right, oh. right. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's been super interesting to see where things have gone. I mean, it's it's so funny for me, like to see 
as a DM, you end up in like a really weird perspective where you get like, I get like uh, uh, what's supposed to be as clear as I can of an idea of what you guys want your characters to be like uh, and like have to give you a world where you can try to hit those points, but at the same time have to create all these like different conflicts. And it can be like as simple, like I thought, okay, Frank likes spices, but that was like to me such a footnote of a character trait <laughs> and has, and has, uh, I say that it's and the then, title and then the, of his dissertation. Yeah. <laughs> it is integral to his character. But but like so so I start I start the first scene with Frank and the very like the very first scene you see in the first episode with Frank uh is that he's 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 dealing with a spice merchant. And I thought it was just like a neat way to introduce him into the world because uh his family ties hadn't been as directly clarified to me. And 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 yet, like Everybody else, like we have the halflings with Rail, we have you know Harriet with, and, and we have Mother with a noose, and, and and then Frank just has the spice merchant is his family. Like it's the every time you like like McGinty's like I gotta go see my wife, or else like I gotta go check in on these halflings. And Frank's like I need to find the spice. I go check in like, on the spice merchant. It's so sad though. I mean, Frank has no, but even the spice merchant doesn't really like right? him. No. He, he doesn't have a a close relationship seemingly anymore true. yeah it's true but yeah so let's let's take a look at that first episode a little bit um in that the one of the first moments to me that stuck out as like a, a, a uh is like kind of the first choice that you guys made that ended up having a result was mcginty shouting out to ruda and it immediately starting combat yeah. uh yeah this is the wife of the butcher in the city so her uh, her husband is the butcher. He's run the butcher shop for years. She's kind of always been around and helped him around since since anybody can remember. Her name is Ruta Dalton. Uh, Aruta? Ruta. Ruta. Yeah. And Ruta, uh, you, you know Ruta to be a bit of a stern woman. She's kind of like uh, ag- aggressive. She tells you how it is. And, uh, but uh, you also, like, she's, this is not good for her. She's, she's small. These are these big hulking dog people. They're not looking friendly. Uh, Ruta. <laughs> Howdy. Uh, McGinty steps out into the alley, just starts walking towards them. Everybody roll initiative. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to defuse the situation, but immediately initiative. <laughs> these are, these are a Rudolph battle. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, hi. Uh, these, these guys are not fucking around. That's the thing. Like, For sure. Yeah, hey. Yeah. Which uh, was kind of a, a funny thing. Um, yeah, and and I, uh, you guys got into a fight. You saved Timothy Dalton's wife, which was your first first weird canon decision that I let you guys kind of. <laughs> and and it's like, a slippery slope, yeah. Kev. <laughs> I, and yeah, look at where we are now, you know. Um, and uh, also that um, uh, later on, we we had you guys try to take care of things at the bell tower, uh, and a noose almost killed Sputton. Uh, there was a point where Rael was trying to. I say Rael almost killed Sputton. That's what I meant to say. Oh, yeah. No, Rael almost killed Sputton. Rael almost killed yeah. Sputton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and and shot shot an arrow and almost took his head off. But my favorite moment that, from what I can remember of the first episode is Anus is saving the half-orc who he healed. And then the half-orc gives him a healing potion. <laughs> like, like That was so the first I, real instance of, like, maybe you as a DM realizing, like, oh, if I do, if I accidentally do something incongruous... Everyone is going to jump on it and yes. never let me so, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys 
got like like two like pretty badly damaged legs, and now like one of them is pretty pretty healed, but the other one is still totally fucked up. I he's... hope one leg is enough for you. <laughs> oh, it'll it'll have to do. I gotta go. And he like sort of like starts to like run away, but as he does that, he turns around. and says, Oh, sorry. And he 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 like shoves this little bag into your into your chest and is like here you go here you go guy and uh and, and walks away and uh thomas you can add a healing potion to your uh to your inventory i don't need this on. anymore yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow it, it like really so seemed, you really made me feel useful when you had the tools all along was I had designed the the like the thing with with the intent of being like it was it was a strength check to get the guy out of the thing and that was it and like like you know like just see if you can lift this thing up and help him and uh, and then if you did he would give you a healing potion you did that and then chose to heal him which I didn't ask you to do and so then I was like okay you can heal him and then he's and then I was like well he's gonna give you the reward I gave him to give you and it was just a healing potion it was very strange like. And, <laughs> Which I then gave away, I think, later in yeah, you, like part two of that episode. You, you guys gave it to um, well, the potion, to, I believe, was crushed, and yeah. there was just a wet rag. Oh yeah, it was like a yeah, <laughs> a rag it was barely a potion. It sucked. Exactly. But yeah. that taught a noose never to help anybody. <laughs> no good deed good goes Lord. unpunished. Good Lord. Yeah. Wasn't that also know. a sequence there where we had like? We had like four or five people who were like potentially gonna get killed in this yeah. event, and we're like, okay, hot, uh, we we all like let's do this, and then like we didn't go anywhere. We all went to the same yes. direction because we didn't the, plan the, out the, at all, which is Three actually a common joke spun. that we've repeated a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is everybody pretending to go off in different directions, and then I think what happened was everybody was like, yeah, we're gonna go do this, and then a noose went one way, and everybody else went the other yeah. way, and that was it. You all went to go help Sputton, who you didn't know was Sputton at the time, and then a noose went to help out the Just half like a heavy-handed visual metaphor for a noose's role in the group. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I also just, I just remember like as you set up the world in the first episode, it was exciting and it felt like I thought you did a really good job as a DM, like creating a vibrant atmosphere and it just felt like so polished and then hearing it for the first time with the music and everything. I, I just remember in the first episode being like, oh, this feels like legit. Like this is really a world being crafted. And it was cool to have us all save people, I think, because it let us like show off our different skills and traits in the mm. beginning. Yeah, yeah. Something I can talk about a little bit is just like deciding to start the way that we did. Um, how to start a campaign is like such a confusing thing and there's all sorts of videos and, and tips that DMs will give you and people who are experienced. And, and for those listeners who maybe aren't aware, this is my first time DMing and like I'm pretty green to the D&D world as well. Like I've only played in one other campaign that Luke DM'd like over a year ago. Um, and so like... Uh, that's also why some of the things that we do are a little bit clunky. But I, I, I um, for me, I, I just didn't want to like start you guys in a tavern or something standard because I thought it's a podcast. I want to start like I want to start us in the action and give you guys a reason to tie together. You'd all give me your backstories, and they were fairly. They were all. Uh, different in a nice way that didn't necessarily lead into each other beyond the food uh, stuff. So I, um, I I thought, you know, okay, well, let me try this. And like, um, I'm also like privy to uh, uh, the politics that you guys are all interested in, or at least most of you uh, as like we as friends discuss it a lot. So because of that, I was like, let's start with a fucking revolution. Let's like, let's like have this happen and see what happens. So it was just kind of a, a different, a different take on starting things off because 
I think it can be really tough to like easily and naturally kind of put these like mishmash groups of people together. So, um, so that was kind of like where, where that came from. Kevin, can I ask you like, uh, as a DM, I'm sure you read lots of like tips and tricks online. What's something that you read that you're like, that's a ridiculous thing to do. Uh, like what's the, what's the worst advice that you got found <laughs> the to be a DM? Advice, I, I don't know, man. Like I, I, it's not, it's not so much that I, like, I, I don't really consider like, because I'm no expert or even that experienced with this, it's tough for me to be like, Oh, this is clearly a bad idea. But like, as as somebody who like I also like what we're doing is not the same as a home game that somebody plays at home. And the the fact of the matter is like we're performative, we're different. I need to leave um in ways more room for things to change and in other ways like kind of create guidance because we have to put this out there for people to listen to and like uh so there are certain there are certain like like a lot of stuff is really based around like the tabletop set- setup and and the way that D&D is played traditionally with maps and dungeons and so tons of people have lots of hints for how to like build out your encounters that way but do I have any like real absurd things not really beyond like DMs who just seem to want to fight with their players who want to have fun um <laughs> which is like also weird and I don't really understand yeah, I, uh, I'll say when I've looked at a few things like this and often the tone from DMs is very like antagonistic which I understand like you're sort of the enemy in the campaign but there's like sometimes like pretty clear contempt for the people you're playing with and i'm like that seems like yeah. a bad approach i, I think it's yeah. a very old school way to run D. yeah you know what i mean yeah like yeah you should be and a fan of your players is advice i've heard a lot from good DMs. i love that yeah you should be a fan um, of your players and like i i want i want like um we're also trying we're improvising right like i'm trying to i i want to pimp you guys to do funny things i want like the I, I I want you guys to do stupid stuff and make my NPCs look dumb and have a good time and and like um so yeah I don't know maybe maybe I just don't take myself seriously enough to like take it as a, well, as a I think of a I, something just to continue a little with the recap like early on we convinced that giant to leave us alone with the oregano <laughs> yes. blunt oh my yeah God. that's and the like, second episode yeah that that set off like i think a few chain reactions because then you were like i need to make these encounters tougher and then we almost got killed yeah. for like yeah. three yeah. episodes in a row <laughs> he scoops up the oregano powder and like licks it as he's going, um, now he, he is... rolls it up into a blunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He smokes yeah. it. This half giant starts to smoke a fat doobie of oregano. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> and maybe we can make him chill out. He's like, "This is that good, good." Is what he says. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he he's smoking this oregano blunt, and he's not sure. Like he he's trying to play up. You know how like you'd have a friend who'd be like, "Oh, I'm so drunk," and they're not actually drunk. Yeah. He's trying to do this about being high. So he's like, "What did you say, man? Like for a secret or what?" And but it's like deeper and more scary sounding than I can, just did. Can I hear that actually? Hold on. What did you say, man? Like a secret or what? <laughs> uh, so what what you what are you trying to ask? You asking to walk away? Yeah, I think it's, we're going to go for uh, persuasion. And you were just trying to persuade him to walk away. I'm going to tell him a secret if he agrees to walk away from this. <laughs> <laughs> Roll it with disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, that's a disadvantage <laughs> if I've ever heard one. Yeah. All right, 17 first. That's pretty good. 
17 again! It's really 17. Jesus Christ. Plus okay. 5, 23! <laughs> That's 22. First of all, that is 22. Well, oh, plus, yes, plus, plus one for the oregano yeah. blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you forgot to add the uh, oregano bonus. Yeah. The, oh fake, the fake stoned modifier. Plus uh, one for the Jim Carrey reference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smoking. Yeah. So, fuck me. God damn it. So this fucking half giant is like, yeah, all right, man. Like, hit me with the secret, dude. Frank kind of like uh, waves him in closer. Yeah, he, like, he no one else should be able he to hear this. He leans down. He's like, "Yeah, what's up?" Uh, uh, you know, there. Uh, you know, cinnamon is uh, sweet, but it is uh, also a spice. <laughs> what the fuck? This... He kills him in one blow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the half giant's brain explodes. Now the half giant is like. I gotta try that. And you know what would taste real good with that? Some knoll. And he scoops off one of the knolls, the beefier looking one, because he's beefy and he looks like he'll have some meat on him. And this dog's like, what are you doing? I come from the theory of like, the only way combat is interesting to listen to if you're not playing is if you are actually worried the characters could die. Right, right, right. So I think uh, erring on the side of more difficult combats is always a good choice to make. So I actually really sure. liked those episodes where we almost died. I yeah. was like yeah. on the edge of my seat. I was like, yeah, one bad yeah. roll, McGinty's dead. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I was into totally. it. Totally, a lot of sweat. You want to, you want to try and do that, and and like, yeah, I'm learning, I'm learning a little bit, and uh, trying to figure out exactly like how to like you can set your challenge ratings up perfectly you can do all your xp research and everything and then your players will just roll really strongly on a persuasion check to make a giant smoke a marijuana blunt <laughs> that's made of oregano or whatever and like yeah okay i can make the call that like sure that guy could not be convinced of that at all but that's not fun like you, why make the effort to why would i even give you a roll to see if it's going to work if i'm not going to totally. if i'm not going to like follow through on if you really do critically succeed then yeah, something like yeah. I, I, I was like, oh shit, I haven't prepared enough. They just, they just ended my combat in like, oh, in yeah. half the time it was supposed to take. But Ugh. that's that's fine, and like uh, I, I, I think that's the spirit that I try to like run into things with. Um, uh, looking looking at the second episode, since we're talking about it, the other the other thing that my favorite moment in the second episode is when you guys are doing the. Um, doing the mirror compact thing and trying to figure out how to get into Lorenzo's hideout. Oh, could and not figure that out. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are dead set on the flagpole that I never said was originally there, right? Like, yeah, when, yeah. You, when the, I paint the, the picture. in your voice when you're forced to describe the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> it's very enlightening. I, yeah. Every now and then, there's a few moments throughout the podcast where Luke will be like, how about this? And I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> At one point you ask me, I think, Can you tell me about my invention? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that happens a lot so then I give you the flagpole so I haven't decided that it's a part of the universe initially I give it to you and then Luke becomes convinced it's how we solve the puzzle um, yeah, man. but I didn't even say it was there so I'm yeah. like it wasn't there I, I distinctly DM, remember Anus taking it and just being like I don't know You'll what to do. You'll have to go on. That's my favorite part. Is that he, he tries to get through the door and can't, and he's like stuck with it horizontally, and it's like, you'll have to go on without me. That's my favorite part of the episode. My favorite, my favorite part from early on in the first two episodes is when Frank is giving the speech to the young boy trapped underneath the dinosaur yeah. oh, the giant. Yeah. So good. And that was when I was kind of like, oh, this is Frank's character, is that he's yeah. like, 
he's yeah he's optimistic he's tutoring and he just doesn't get like the severity of situation if you don't stop (laughs) screaming you're not gonna learn anything (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's such a that was such a great moment He's like, you know, uh, their kid, this is what we call a simple machine. Now, somewhere around here, we may have already heard about a pulley or a fulcrum, but we're going to figure out the lever today. <laughs> this, this kid is screaming in agony right now. He's like, ah! <laughs> so the way it works is you stick a, a nice long straight piece because we want to alleviate some of the pressure. Pressure is killing me! And that's what we're, hey, if you're not going to be calm, this you're not going to learn anything. <laughs> I, I would like to bring this up because I think the audience needs to hear about it. Um, episode three, uh, so we recorded our first two episodes, our first four episodes in two batches. So episode three is the first half of our second recording session. And in it, there's a significant portion that gets cut that the audience <laughs> never heard. Um, oh, yes. And I, I, as I described to you guys off mic before we recorded this, I don't keep our old audio files this long. So it's gone forever. But I think- well, is it no, I said, is I it? actually- <laughs> Kevin, I sent a backup copy of it to Zack Snyder, and he's re-editing oh. the podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're getting what we do in the basement, the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So when I have those two rats show up, the two imps that are oh. in rat form, and they steal the piece of paper and they go leave, um, I was busy trying to figure out something mechanically, so I was like, hey, guys, give me a few seconds. As, as happens with this podcast, we'll edit out a lot of the dead air. So I'm in the middle of doing research on my computer, and while I'm doing that, Thomas and, and Luke decide to improvise a scene between the two rats that they don't know are imps yet, and they start, like, dialoguing between each other. What did you guys say? What did you guys... I, I was, like, not... I think one of the rats was bleeding out, and the yes. other rat was, like, trying to help him, and it was sort of a tragic scene. <laughs> And we, and we talked about, like, their rat families and, like, tell the others. Like, they had a community and everything, yeah. which obviously I cried. couldn't exist. I yeah, cried. yeah. I, I've now watched. There's oh. a... Yeah, so then I came back and I was like, you guys were still doing this. And I'm like, guys, I can't keep this as canon because I know what those rats actually are. And they're not just, like, these rats with a culture. And, like, they're these ants. Um... Another another great moment from that episode is Anusa's bad investigation check uh, on the on the, <laughs> on the adhe- adhesive. Yeah, found some glue. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. And of course, the vascular gas who was basking in ass. Yes, uh, that was a Kevin moment of inspiration. Kevin, you may not know, has some rap background and and was able to uh, come up with great lyrics in like a second, I, which we I, are I not wish, able to do. I <laughs> wish that I had I had leaned on that more in the moment, but I was still pretty like learning how this D&D thing works yeah. out and stuff. Like if I had, I wish, uh, that is a regret that I have. I wish that I had made the vascular gast more of a rapper. Um, <laughs> and and uh, the weird thing is that like the Underdark is getting colored in all these really strange ways where it's like this brutal, violent place, but the creatures that come up from it are smell very bad. And um and like one of them is uh, apparently a rapper. Um yeah, the, the very... Underdark is like the underground. It's like a lot of indie <laughs> comics yeah, and like cool. rap music artists. Yeah. There's yeah. just so many monsters hawking like their mixtapes the <laughs> You have to fight MF Doom later. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace. He's one of the greats. Also, uh, a thing that I feel like you guys kind of skirt, like, I wanted there to be more consequences for, but uh, we could talk a little bit about that pink crystal fight that you guys got the, the true unity from. When yeah. uh, I was so, 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 like, excited when I thought you guys were going to attack. Uh, yeah, because we were each so other. weak at that time, too. 
Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Not too smart think, for you, though. Well, we figured I, it out. I feel like in retrospect, like that was a moment because there's always like a conflict between like what would I as the player do and what would my character think to do? And it, mm-hmm. I think I like to lean in when there's a like tension there to like the character would make the wrong decision probably in yeah. this case. Right. Uh, and we destroyed the crystal pretty quick, but like that would have been fun if we had accidentally hurt each other. Like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so fun. (laughs) But I I also think it's, it's awesome when you like, you get the trick immediately and are able to just like effectively dismantle. Like as a player, I find that very satisfying. Yeah. Sure. Um, Sure. And as a listener, when I listen to other podcasts, I'm like, oh, very, very smart. They figured it out. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I I was brooding and angry for days, but um, <laughs> don't worry. You will have plenty of puzzles later on that we will not be able to solve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It turns out that I'm much less satisfied when it doesn't go the way that I want it to. <laughs> that was best case scenario, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, u- we used up I our, know. our luck. <laughs> what I had when I what with the pink crystal. Uh, yeah, and then and then of course in episode four, you guys met Alador Castros, um, who's been a uh, a, a frequent NPC that you guys have dealt with a lot, probably the most, uh, the most yeah. around compared mm-hmm. to anything, which we is not what I intended when I designed him. Uh, supporting lead, I love that guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He what also like did a lot of damage in that fight in episode eleven or whatever. <laughs> yeah, where he just like again. Well, should we just go home? In <laughs> I feel like in episode four we make a joke that Alador could go do it himself, and we could wait at the. <laughs> place and then later it's revealed that yeah he's stronger than all of us probably <laughs> he's so good yeah. uh, the without well, a heartbeat introduction is, oh, that was so a great good. character introduction like yeah, very memorable. so good i like the eye patch you wear he almost reaches out to touch it it reminds me of my brother may he rest wait lorenzo's what? dead i mean <laughs> he wore an eye patch we would often play poker so wait, are you telling me, sorry, but you're saying your brother had no teeth and one eye? <laughs> <laughs> Did you like make him, make him a t- uh, like tart with like a needle in it? How my did he brother, lose his eye? My brother was never a strong learner. He, How good was his hearing? Because I feel like when he, started he lost <laughs> two senses. <laughs> when... <laughs> when... <laughs> He, he like stutters a little bit, but he's like, when, whenever we would play poker and I started to get the upper hand, he would cheat. And you could almost secure a bet on the fact that he would cheat. So, when you cheat with me, you always lose something. It's hard to cheat with no eyes. It's harder to cheat with no heart. With no heart, yeah. 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 See where yeah. you were going. Yeah. We're starting to with get that. your thing here. <laughs> you can't do pretty much anything with no heartbeat. Uh, <laughs> It feels it feels sometimes like as as somebody who writes a lot for the show, whereas the rest of you obviously don't because you shouldn't. Um, uh, like uh, writing writing out like these speeches and like I just had an idea of where I wanted to go and stuff, but like writing out this idea of like I was just like, man, this is self serving. Like this joke better land, otherwise I've just written this like l- like this three part four part monologue that is just gonna be so stupid if it doesn't work. So I'm really glad that it panned out well. But yeah. I would love uh, to see the brother like some fan art of the brother with all those things having happened to him. All the all his, the senses his are missing. Teeth are broken, yeah. his like every part of him is just ravaged. <laughs> In a He's world with uh, magical healing too, for whatever yeah. reason, yeah. it just hasn't. 
Yeah. He can't afford it. It's uh, all the magical healing's been privatized. That's true. It was also, I think, the first moment was in that episode when you guys, uh, you guys are attacking two gnolls that are like outside the cave, mm-hmm. and you guys eventually like diplomatically calm them down. And they leave, and Rael's like, fuck. This is the first moment where Rael's like, fuck that. We are killing these people. And you shoot an arrow at one. I don't think you killed no, it, but yeah. No, I, I don't even think I'd hit it. Like, that was but just all around. Later, later in the Knoll Cave, yeah. she does drown some. Like, some, Joe Chill, oh, who is like yeah. our, our buddy, I'm pretty sure, gets yeah. like drowned in puke and urine. Just like, brutal. <laughs> I stab one sword in his left side. Oh, this is awful. <laughs> through and like, his throat, and he's oh. not dead yet, and I shove his face in the pukey piss water. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I telepathically say to the other two, I'm starting to worry about this one. <laughs> Just Episode yeah. four is our most disgusting episode, and a lot of that is my fault. And it's not usually like me. For people who don't know me, I usually tend to stay away from the grosser stuff. But for whatever reason, like that was also in episode four where Anus figured out how he heals, and it's like do butt spanks. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, episode four. Yeah, like oh, Anus. Maybe wow. I'm thinking of episode Exploring. five too. Episode five is the gross one, and episode right. four no, is like no, it is too. no. You're you're right. I th- oh yeah yeah yeah. Right. Not that it it matters. No, I mean, but yeah, Anus, Anus, like, also, like, has been, he did, like, the Reiki massage to the half-orc at first. He has these, like, weird sort of, like, pseudo-touchy kind of ways of healing people. It's all, like, tantric and very, like, (laughs) it takes so long to heal, but man, when you get healed, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was lots of pee checks in episode five. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was a really, like... I, it was funny because when Jesse, when you were designing McGinty, you had like, we, I remember us being like excited about the fact that we were going to be able to reveal later on that he was an assassin, right? Like you get to sure. have this like this rogue thing that you pop out a little bit. It's like kind of fun and like a little badass to be like, oh, and it turns then, out this old not to man. mention I'm like, I do tons of damage in the first fight of the whole show, and it's like immediately <laughs> obvious. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But then, <laughs> then, <laughs> later on, uh, in episode five, we get the other side of that reveal, oh which is that God. he's also just an old-ass man. Yeah, that was really like... fun to play. Like, <laughs> McGinty fails so many times in episode five and does yeah. so many embarrassing things. <laughs> like, just shits the bed, so to yeah, speak. So is. that was really fun. <laughs> so this is what's going to happen. McGinty's going to have to roll stealth check. Then he's going to have to roll to avoid falling. Then he's going to have to roll a sleight of hand. <laughs> All right. So I rolled a four for my stealth. Okay. So 11 stealth. So he rolled a 15 for his perception check. So he sees Ugh. you coming. So you're not going to be able to roll useless. an advantage on the sleight, sleight of hand. But go ahead. I'm going to now roll to not fall down. McGitty's going to eat so much shit on this turn. <laughs> yeah, I rolled a six. So, <laughs> so plus my athletics. This is, I haven't rolled over an eight all day. <laughs> I fall. I fall. What's the? What do I have to beat on the? Thirteen for Dex. Ah, don't make it. That's a nine total. I wipe oh. out. I'm gonna. I can't make the sleight of hand now. No, uh, no, McGinty is going to just go. God damn it! Damn. I am gonna bonus action. 
disengage. <laughs> <laughs> I have no Sli movement left. Can I you have even no do left. that if you're prone? No, I can't. So this is McGinty's turn. He <laughs> he's goes, all right, this is for all the marbles. He kisses the locket. This is for you, Harriet. Immediately steps on a plate and, oh, my foot. God damn it. No. Hops around. Gets his other foot stuck in a bucket. Which one is uh, the pee foot? Which more. one's the pee foot? Uh, it's the one that's in the bucket now. Well, okay. Uh, which was which was a spittoon for these guys. Right, of, of course uh, it was. And then he gets his head stuck in a turkey carcass uh, that was half finished. <laughs> he wipes. He steps in the grease and he wipes out. He uh, he. This is he. Mister Beans at this turn. <laughs> Episode five is a big episode. We also have all the flashbacks in episode five. Our oh, first yeah. like sort of yeah. take yeah. back to things. We see we see like a uh, we see McGinty uh, in in the orphanage. We see. Um, an, I was an, so confused. I thought that <laughs> I had been transported there in character. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we cut we cut uh, a, a significant section out. But there's like there's a point where like. There's like there's some weird thing where Jesse and I are like trying to like navigate where he is. He's like he looks at his hands. <laughs> are they younger are they hands? <laughs> I uh, and I'm like yes. What's and like, happening, yeah. Kevin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you haven't you haven't quite explained this well enough. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of when a mutual friend of ours, Dan, was playing Secret Hitler and didn't know that he could lie, and someone was oh like, "Hey, Dan, God. are you a fascist?" And he was like. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Secret Hitler or Mafia. Like, you're essentially just trying to figure out if Dan's one of the bad guys, and he's just, I don't know how to answer oh. that. <laughs> uh, but we had those flashbacks. We also saw a noose in the garden uh, picking herbs and talking to a young boy. Yeah. Um, we got to see uh, a, a cool scene with Raelle in. Um, Her father got killed in Yeah, that, that was like a huge reveal. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Big, big point of the yeah. backstory. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> did you lose your eye in that scene as well? Sure did. Yeah, I did. Oh, dang. Yeah. Because uh, I was fighting with Loth. Loth, uh, <laughs> yeah, god of the Underdark, and she <laughs> disguised herself as my mother and, like, peeled my mother's skin back, revealing herself, and then <laughs> killed my dad, who was the leader of the... Underdark Rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> one one fun fact that that Tash is I don't know if you've inadvertently done this. I I like as a human being I have like a bit of a fear of spiders. I don't I really don't like spiders. I can't like I I couldn't finish playing Skyrim because there was too many like yeah. uh cave cave like trawling through spiders and the sounds bother me and things like that. So I like uh, maybe the reason I'm averse to discovering what's happening in the Underdark is that like I'm genuinely afraid um, <laughs> of, of dealing with spiders. Kevin, do you no. think that controlling the spiders as the DM might allow you to like conquer your phobia? Perhaps, yeah, yeah. I have my therapist is also here on the podcast. Um, and, She's gonna play uh, a NPC. In the next <laughs> uh, my Kevin's therapist. Kevin's gonna make a spider boss and it's gonna TPK yeah. us and it's gonna yeah. traumatize him further. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be able to release the episode because I'll be editing it and scaring myself. Um, and then we got to see Frank's flashback in school, which was kind of funny. It's funny to take this like old man and be like, and now we flashback and he's in like a public washroom after getting swirlied. Like, <laughs> old how old was still. he? Yeah, he's still very old. Well, right? he was he was retired and then he like found a pamphlet for like 
ongoing education and like never too old so he went back to school swirling a 68 year old man but it's like a 55 year old man doing it like yeah it's like it's this weird adult education program where everybody so yeah maybe maybe the language of jocks and nerds is really not that unusual to yeah. break I do love the idea of like high school cliques bringing in someone that old into like the guidance counselor's office and being like, are they picking on you? <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd like to say that that was entirely my idea, but honestly, the reason that I want to make um, Faust's Academy of Necromancy and stuff is that uh, is like like sort of a traditional high school is that uh, Luke, when he told me about the what he wanted for it to be, he also mentioned there was like a rival school and a bully, and I was like, this is just high school. Yes, they're all adults, but <laughs> it's two old guys school. are like, my son could beat up your son. <laughs> 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 um, oh. yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we also had Alador's party there, but uh, I think the, the next the next episode um, is uh, we, we ended up going shopping and uh, <laughs> uh, good times. There's there's only <laughs> I had spent so much time developing like uh, all of these shopkeepers and like what they were what they were like what they wanted all these things all these NPC ideas and then. All of it gets thrown out the fucking window so fast because I misspeak. I say that a character has a big cock because I wanted to say Cockney accent. And then I don't even do a Cockney accent. I go into a Scottish accent. Uh, and it takes me like like a good like four minutes before I eventually bend it towards a Cockney accent. But like the I, there's no coming back uh, from the big cock on the metal boy. <laughs> There's there's this uh, sort of half orc, this large this large cock. Uh, wow. wow. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Slip. All right. I think I think that's the metal boy. I think perhaps <laughs> I will be going to the metal boy. <laughs> we should really call it a metal man. That's incredible. I I love this episode. This is one of my favorite episodes because you let us do some world building on our own. And it was so fun to come up with the shop names and their yeah, games. Yeah, the titles, the relationships yeah. between us I and also, them. I also think the reveal of Sputton being flayed was really great. <laughs> it was like, it was, It just reminds, because sometimes you feel like there are limits to what's possible. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, right. it just was a moment where I was like, oh, that's genuinely shocking. Like, yeah. I didn't expect it to be that yeah. gruesome. And that was yeah. a really yeah. cool story point. When after right. such oh, a thanks. goofy like shopping montage, it was a great mm -hmm. tonal shift. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it was <laughs> nice to kind of like have that in, in the back end and be like, things are gonna get serious. It's also yeah, it's the it's probably the silliest episode uh, up and up until that point. Um, Frank, <laughs> Frank is like also like flirting with the woman who runs the metal boy, which which we forget about. Um, <laughs> you know, I also think that's where Rail starts carrying around the imp that I think she still uh, has. No, I don't think that's that one. Cause, oh no! Is it later? Well, wait. Is well, that the one that we go to? No, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. That's when you guys get attacked no, by the choker. It's yeah. when we're at the bakery. You you start carrying. Yeah. It. Like, so you okay, guys. So yeah, you guys go one. shopping. Right. Yeah. And then a noose um, does his ablutions in the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. 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 Yes. Yes. And I yeah, really, I still have that in. Oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead. 
No, I still have that imp, just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> just um, rotting away. Yeah, hanging I from think your it's going to be my new hunting trophy. I originally had like a bear claw, but that's boring. Now it's the imp. So. <laughs> just a rotted imp. Yep. Um, one thing that I thought you did really well, and I think a lot of new DMs don't think to do this, is you actually put Harriet in danger. And I know a lot of DMs will be afraid of like hurting really close NPCs to their. Mm to their players but i really thought that was great because it made me it was the first time i was like really worried about because the show had been Mm -hmm. fun and goofy but that was the first time where i'm like oh shit like i need to save her like this is real Um, so that was a really nice raising the stakes like and then we did kill those we killed those enemies in less than one round of combat Yeah, there's like a, a really yeah. weird, a really, yeah, I don't think Frank got to do anything in that yeah. episode. He was think, like trying think... to climb out the window, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, um, leading up to that, like, uh, McGinty, solid in character. Anus needs the bathroom. He's like, of oh. course, uh, paying customers only. Like, we, we fought together. We've, like, almost died together, but he's, like, holding on. I and think Anus so actually nice. saved McGinty's life at one yep, point, yep. too. Prior to this, and then a noose just was like, "You have to buy a cheese bun." That was again. I loved being able to play the 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 card. There, so funny. I could go for a croissant. And if you're offering, I would love to do my ablutions in your bathroom. I don't know what that means, but okay. Well, uh, McGinty quickly goes, "Um, bathrooms for customers only." A noose. <laughs> so if you oh were to purchase my... something, if you oh were to purchase something, God. I would be happy to let you uh, use my bathroom. Uh, I I can try to buy some. I guess I'm not hungry per se. Is there something? <laughs> no, it's, it's I could like take with me or. Wait, as long as you give me some gold in exchange, uh, that sounds fine with me. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, uh, the cheese buns will keep. Great. I'll I'll take a cheese bun then. Yeah, here you are. <laughs> and sorry, One... your your. Your customer bathroom, does it contain a means for doing my ablutions? I think I know what that means, but... Uh, <laughs> you just, yeah, go you ahead. You don't think it's anything sinister. How's that? Yeah. It I really it can't be sure. It isn't sinister. It sounds... The way all of this is playing out makes it sound incredibly sinister. You're, you're, <laughs> the, customer. you're the one who's gouging a new friend to use your bathroom. Look, if I made an exception for you, I'd have to make an exception for everyone. That's all I'm saying. Uh, he pulls out a little key on a, on a, a little uh, key ring that looks like a, a tart. And he hands the key to you. Bathroom's just over there to the lift. How much is the cheese bun? Uh, one gold piece is fine. Sounds about right. Okay, I'll be back after I do <laughs> my ablutions. Please stop saying that word. Jesse has a really secret, deep streak and desire to be a, a tycoon. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then oh. then we got some riddles at the end there, and we we headed over to the, uh, in episode seven. We started heading over to like sort of the bay, uh, the 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 water, the water, the waterish area of Willow Helm, which is how we all describe it. Um, and you guys, the, the the stupidest thing that I for some reason keep having in my head playback is the upholstered ceiling, which is literally <laughs> just me mishearing. I think Jesse. Yeah, I Luke. say, are, is the seating upholstered? I ask, and I say, is the ceiling upholstered? And then I go, then yes, l- that's what I said. <laughs> and I say, yes, the ceiling is upholstered and the seating is not, and then that becomes 
like canon. And oh. then, yeah, we, you know, everybody, my best part of the episode, everyone pretending to go to the library and going to the graveyard instead. Like, yeah. just, just one be, peek. That might be my favorite thing we've done so far. <laughs> Frank seems to have an affinity for graveyards. Perhaps it would be best if he and I went there first. And Frank turns to Anus and, like, gives him a big old wink because he remembers they're talking about going to the library. Right, yeah, we, we'll also go to the graveyard first. <laughs> wink to Ray. I thought we were going to the library. What? <laughs> oh, it's McGinty. <sighs> oh, oh, wait, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with these customs yet. Yeah. Overly, like, super exaggerated yeah. wink uh, with both eyes. It means I'm, it means I'm doing a lie. <laughs> oh, you gotta tell me these things. You can't just spring it on me like without a forewarning. Come on. Um, uh, so you guys are both. You're all looking like you're going to the graveyard, but all of <laughs> yes. you are actually going to yes, the library. We're sort of right? waiting, <laughs> waiting for anybody to go in a slightly different direction. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but maybe instead, because of social conventions, we all just walk to the graveyard together. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess this is us. Just one peek and we'll go. Uh, I also think I also think that like when we were going in that carriage, Kevin, you had intended for us to kind of start talking to each other about like our backstory well, yeah. and learn, yeah. and then it just turned into Sorry, a folks. No a post well, yeah, one, so one thing that the audience will, will maybe get a little bit of insight on is that like I like you guys have asked me for I, at that point in the recording sessions, I think that there had been a desire to maybe flesh out some of your character stuff, and you guys wanted more time to talk. So I said, okay, great. Well, we're probably going to travel towards wherever we have to go to solve this mystery. How about you guys use that travel time to talk? And then we started the episode, and instead it just became bits, riffs, and then, like, I think there's a moment where a noose almost opens up and then the carriage stops because... <laughs> there, I feel like there have been several moments throughout the show of a noose being like... We're friends now, like time to connect. And then everyone's like, get out of here and news. No way. I also like Um, that part because like we were developing, but then that's, I think, was our big pair off moment where Frank and Anu started bonding about their feeling and plan. Uh, Rael and McGinty, again, more sensible choices paired off together. Oh. It's 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 where the cliques really define themselves. The jocks and the nerds really came out to play. Um, also, there's bits in there throughout about butcher shops and libraries. That's oh. where we started to yeah. canonize canonize the fact that somehow everything in Willowhelm at one point was a butcher shop or a library. Uh, Thomas came up with the brilliant pun of the Chewy Decimal System, which is oh. it's an all timer favorite thing I've ever heard. Um, and also in that episode is is um, White Eyes and the Vile Barber. White oh, yeah. Eyes who like... Shoved uh, his head into a trap. To oh, try but, the, but the trap was deactivated, noose, which was so funny. Noose, yeah, the first thing you guys try to do is stick his head into a jar to kill him. You do that, it doesn't... It doesn't work because that's the trap that McGinty deactivated. And then and then Anus convinces him, hey man, let's not fight. Don't do this. And he's like, you're right. I'm going to kill myself. And then sticks his head in it and it's like a brutal death. It takes him quite a while to die. It's really horrible. Oh man. I, I don't um, think we'll ever truly know the motivations of that character. <laughs> Yet in yes. some ways I know him better than I know myself. <laughs> 
Um, and oh. uh, and then and then in episode eight, you guys um, headed over to the library. And, um, uh, and my personal favorite, honestly. Yeah, this was <laughs> a real eight. shining moment for Rail. <laughs> it was a Rail shining moment. <laughs> so yeah, um, it is just nuts what happens in this episode, you guys. I, I designed these other locations pretty minimally, thinking that you would touch and go them before you ended up going to the, the thing, and, and the opposite happened, and and I had, like, uh, peek behind the screen, had, like, not really accounted for what would happen if you got into the library, um, because I had sort of designed the encounter to happen outside, and... and but you, you did this insane thing where you dressed up as the mayor and rolled... Again, just stupidly well to get inside. It was like you got like a 22 or something to get inside. And I was like, well, I guess, yeah, fine. Um, and it was good, too, because I think we had just recently leveled up. So I finally got like this cool thing. And I'm like, yes, I am trying this. And it worked. <laughs> and it was you. My One of the strangest things you did, I was like, okay, the mayor's name is Jared Katolin. And you're like, I'm Mayor Katolin. My friends call me J-Man. And then everybody starts calling you J-Man. Oh, that was so good. I need a nighttime story. Mr. Mayor. Excuse me. Mr. Mayor. I'm... Sorry, yes. I need a Hello. nighttime story. This is, is what he said. This saying. is definitely the mayor, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, it is indeed me, Mr. Catolan, Mayor Catolan, but to you, call me J Man. <clears throat> wow. J Man. What an auspicious. Oh. As soon as I'm old enough, I, you have my vote. Well, thank you, young man. It's good to know. Now, through true unity, unity Rael's like, hey, it's me. Don't worry, I'm getting us in. And then uh, the, the mayor, mayor winks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the just mayor's fun. like a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that Felina, who we now know is like a fierce opponent, still like had to be like, well, you are the mayor, I guess. <laughs> She's, yeah. she's a badass, but not an anarchist, you know? <laughs> Would you say, Kevin, that this was like the first episode where like you we didn't basically do anything you had planned at all? Uh pretty much. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Yeah. I well, uh based on the I way guess... you were giving us, it was like, all right guys, it's closed. It makes sense to yeah. go there later. Like, okay, we're going in there right now. <laughs> and there's there's also twice or three times throughout the episode, McGinty's like, we can come back when it's open. No. And no. like a noose is like, we have reached an impasse. <laughs> <laughs> I just think the fact that you were encouraging us not to go in made it so much oh, more yeah. tempting. Oh, it was yeah. like there must be something really good in there. Yeah. I had to like on sensitive. the fly. Decide so how we were gonna like figure out how Rail was gonna like uh, search through the books and stuff on the fly. It ended up working out okay. You guys did a lot of stuff with Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Uh, <laughs> I, I think like it's one of those like Thomas, you're saying it's like one of those DM meta games between the DM and the players where it's like, well, the DM really doesn't want us to do this thing, so it's really fun to just push forward <laughs> as hard as we can. Yeah, that's. Like, I like that you call that like a meta game between DM and players, and not between like you and me as people. Uh, which well, is also libraries are also incredibly dangerous places to like let into your campaign because it's essentially like a building that has a bunch of answers. 
two that's questions why, you might that's, have. That's why I made it destitute and, uh, <laughs> and, and like um, and like falling apart because I didn't want uh, to offer you much more information than I had. I had uh, another thing that players uh, or listeners can find out is that I'm I'm also quite a week to week planner um, because of the nature of like the way we do the pod. I don't really have the opportunity to like. Uh, completely shape out everything and like this also allows for like Frank to accost a spice merchant and for that to become like a real part of the world uh, like a spice cult or something like that so um, you know those kind of things which is all Um, just so you know a new driving force previously not there now with these opportunities you've given me Frank is gonna figure this out he's gonna (laughs) hunt down this uh, real and existing spice cult that is out there that's what arc 2 is about listeners Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, you guys also went to the Church of Raspian, uh, and then McGinty went home to his wife, which was like a really interesting moment that uh, I was like, oh, okay, we're going to break up the group in like a weird way. Uh, and and I, I, for the first time, uh, walked away from that episode being like, how the hell am I going to patch this together? Like, what am I going to do to put them back together? Or... What am I gonna do to like make McGinty have to uh, have something to do? Well, because I had already kind of figured out where the where they were gonna go, but you were at home, so I was like, okay, let's create like a baking mini game, and that became what episode nine was for McGinty was like him oh. trying to bake tarts while uh, the rest of the party tried to deal with this giant in the middle of the road, and uh, <laughs> it it I I thought I had designed it to be like a pretty uh, pretty like. I thought McGinty would come out with some struggle, but like I was truly sure, like, okay, well, let's get let's this get. This is really going to showcase goal. like the skill he's been honing for thirty six years, <laughs> and 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 something about how I designed it, plus like Jesse just having bad luck with the dice. Um, we we had like McGinty. It was it ended up being a cool character moment because McGinty oh. like was starting to like lose his ability to bake. Like he 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 wasn't doing as well. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, Jess. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, I I really liked it as a player just because like whenever the DM takes a character thing you've created and makes a mechanic out of it and lets you play it out is super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you know this isn't something that he had planned beforehand or they had planned beforehand, but this is something that they could only have done with the collaboration of my character backstory and their sure. mechanics. So I just loved it as right. a player. I was like, oh, great. I get to like play the game and I get to bake. Like This is super fun. Right, um, of course. And then, yeah, just failing it like was was really interesting because I, I, I didn't think I would. So <laughs> I had to like on the fly rationalize and build to the character like, oh, how does this... This is the reality now because I yeah. failed. Like McKinty has failed at this. How yeah. do I make it true to the character? And so I think pulling on sort of his his like reversion back to his old life <laughs> and making that a cause for concern was a was a nice gift that can only come out of like roles that you weren't expecting. See, you you've got your bakery shuttered for the day. Uh, Harriet's cleaning up. She's like, is is everything okay, honey? I don't know why we uh, shut so early. You know? I ruined two batches, Harriet. I, uh, Ernest, I mean, it's it's okay. We all slip up. So. I've never ruined two batches in one day, in one morning. I know that. But you know, Ernest, things are changing in this town. Things are getting tough. It's bound to take its toll on anyone. I, I don't worry about it too much. I just don't want, you know... The danger, the other, the other violence, all of the stuff encroaching 
into this bakery, you know? I want to keep them separate. I know <sighs> that, honey. I know that. It can be tough, and I hope to God that things balance out for us soon and that we can go back to just living our life, but Ernest, I want you to do what you believe is right. And sometimes that comes at the cost of a few butter tarts, and if so, so be it. So be it. You've done good things these can last I, few days. Can I be honest with you, Harriet? Mm -hmm. I don't remember printing that many coupons. <laughs> like, there were so many people here. And we also um, really struggled. Like, everybody yes. did horribly that episode at whatever yeah, task. I, I have. We're, we're recording this a little in advance as we do. In episode nine, I haven't quite gotten into the editing bay yet. But in episode nine is, is like, the, the the least amount of stuff happens in that episode. And that's after the library episode. Yeah. yeah. Episode eight and nine is you guys going to a library, taking a nap, and then McGinty baking, and you guys trying to get back to the city. That's it. Like, it's a carriage ride. Yeah. And and um, and so, what yeah, are the other if things? If you stopped in? listening during episode nine and skipped to this bonus episode, just please carry, we promise it gets more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Skip to episode 10. Yeah, um, oh. and you guys also got to at the end of episode nine uh, meet the uh, aforementioned and and uh, you know had popped up a few times Lorenzo Lorenzo Pyre showed up which was uh, exciting for me to be able to like design a character who had who had been talked about for a long time um, and then we ended up in episode ten which um, we, I, you, you know you guys spent a lot of time talking about your backstories to each other a little bit more which was nice uh, and we got we got what maybe we missed on that carriage ride <laughs> um, but the other the other thing that was uh, obviously really notable about it that we can all talk about a little bit is that flower puzzle and um, oh, wow. and the multiplication flower puzzle so I, I I just just as a as a fun thing I had found that a while ago when I was coming up with riddles uh, and things like that and I was like this is a great like it's a numbers mechanic, but it makes sense. And I think that there's like the solution. There's actually like multiple solutions uh, to paste. It's a formula. So if you can if you can figure out the formula, then you're fine. Um, and so in my head, it was super simple. And then I did not present it in exactly the way I wanted to. But then also uh, it just became like so much more complicated than I thought it would be. And it was so clunky. And I was like, oh, no, what do we do? What do we do? And then Anus is just like, I'm swimming. Fuck this. <laughs> That was so good. That was a really hard moment to uh, play because it's like, it's not entertaining to like listen to people think and like solve a math problem. Yeah, and so I think right. we all panicked a little bit. Uh, we did figure it out like during the break, we like solved <laughs> the math. But during the episode, it's like, well, let's just do something. Yeah. At the yeah, I think after that episode was done, we like took a break to talk a little bit, and then you guys were like, I I like went to the bathroom and came back, and one of you was like, Kevin, I figured it out, and you told me what the answer was, and I was like, that's not it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I really I thought like, I had it. Yeah, I think I think I think it was that you were right, but that there was like a simpler way too. Yeah, I think you're still. I did solve oh, yeah, it Thomas, for, for Thomas real. Actually but, solved but, it. Um, yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. And just if you're wondering, it was you take seven, you leave eight. Basically, that's the that's the solution. <laughs> that's yeah, the it's solution like the formula for is something like like yeah, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, you take seven, you leave eight, and then it duplicates the right amount each time. It's it's one um, of those things where um, I think as a DM, like or as a player rather, um, you want to imagine that there's multiple solutions and you want to be able to play in the space and use your skills. Mm -hmm. And so knowing yeah. that it's a math kind of puzzle, I think just makes it hard to role play it 
Sure. Um, because sure. and but I'm so glad that you let Anus do the creative solution because I that's had I yeah awesome. when I built when I built the room I was also like assuming there would be other ways to get around and had had allowed for you guys to like that's the other thing you have to keep in mind when you're designing things in D and D is that like not everybody's a human fighter or something like they're not all martial classes so you have to be like okay there's spell casting that can go on there's like you could like I don't know minor illusions some extra flowers on a grave what does that mean right and I had to like decide Ooh. those things in advance. <laughs> whatever it is and and you know you try and keep the party's things in mind um but yeah it became like an opportunity to kind of figure it out that way uh, and then you guys got teleported into your little sky cells yeah this was sort of the last the last three or sort of this big chapter where we face off against the gold force yeah 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 you guys have your big snake trap fight um and things like that so yeah i mean if anybody has anything they want to pull from like these last few episodes we don't have to i, I think the trap was episodes. really well designed like i really love the i love like an interesting location where we're separated and there's like different mechanics and like the snake because i didn't know like you know is this snake killable is it like going to one shot us like is it all you know and I, I always like when there's something that's like i genuinely don't know if it's like suicidal for my character to try to fight this um and so it felt like the stakes were really high when people were falling in like do we need to save them you know yeah agreed. right right uh, this felt like a bigger moment uh for me as a as a player like one of the first things uh, I remember saying to uh, uh, to everyone when we started was like, "Guys, I'm okay if my character dies. If it happens, it happens. It'll be fun. We'll work with it." And then we get this far, and uh, I I become attached to Frank, so to speak. <laughs> and then he was in this pit with this giant snake, and I was like, "Oh shit! He, he he's gonna die. He's actually gonna die. I don't want this to happen, but this is where we're. It's gonna happen." And I felt like emotionally tied to this moment and it it felt great and horrifying at the same time <laughs> and and what a nice solution to have like the end of that at first like fight be like frank like just barely escaping uh with like you you rolled really well and you got your way out of there um and and also like uh it's funny there when i originally designed the encounter uh before i ever brought it to the table or anything there was there was a a version of the encounter where that snake pit was like this, the creature in the pit was way stronger, like a much higher challenge rating and that like you guys would not be able to kill it. And I uh, changed my mind exactly about how I wanted to do it and things like that. And kind of allowed for some different, um, uh, different things, but it, it was, it was very interesting. Also um, uh, there's, there's like some, all, also pretty badass moments like a, a noose riding down a zombie yeah. down the angle of the pit uh was pretty pretty killer um I, did everybody except for Rael almost get swallowed at one point or was that is it just one of you doesn't almost get killed by the snake but i think Anus, i know for sure McGinty never even and goes down did. but right Right. I don't remember if Rael... Did you end up in the pit and, like, in the snake's mouth at all? Not in the mouth, but I was in the pit, but I managed to evade Bella. Oh, yeah. I see. Right. Bella. Yes, the Belladon. It also set up Dick Cheney, that episode, which, which <laughs> who stayed around for a while, and we joked off, off mic that, like, it would be inappropriate if Dick Cheney were killed and punished, because that is not how the world works. <laughs> he became a, a nice ally for us. Right. Yeah. Right. Honk. Exactly. The trap you had set up there where the floors are gonna like dip us down into the pit. I was so proud of myself for like pulling the bone out of the skeleton and like wedging it in the chain. 
yeah. and then you rolled high and just snapped the bone immediately. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Like, yeah, I, I, I just was like, one of the things, and uh, maybe, maybe it's like a DM thing that I don't know yet, but like, I was like, I'm gonna create a mechanic and not try to create. This is exactly how I think it should work. This is the amount of pressure it needs. This is that, like, in terms of like rolling stuff, and that's it. Like, I just was like, if you guys want to try and circumvent it, like, McGinty had done the cool rope thing around the bars. I think. I think that was Ray- uh, Rael's idea. Oh no, yeah, McGinty, McGinty, like blocked the blocked a thing or something. Rael put like the rope around the bar. Mm-hmm. Like, you all had di- some of you had different ways of doing different things to like get through it, which was neat. And to see that was cool. Um, and to see it pan out. Um, so it was like a, I, I don't know. I just spent more time designing exactly how the encounter would work and not exactly thinking about how you guys might co- uh, overcome it. Um, yeah. I mean, as a DM, it's impossible to anticipate any, any possible decision your players There's can make. magic. Like, yeah, um, there's you have to just basically set exists. up. Yeah. You have to set up a playground where a bunch of different things can happen and yeah. you just be able to react. Yeah, and hope that things happen, and like that's the the only the, the tough that the, the toughest stuff about doing a, a show like this this way is that like space is space is intangible because we're not playing with a tabletop, we're not playing with anything. So I, I like to try and make it as clear as I can for you guys to know what's going on as well as the audience. So that, and that can be tough. Um, but then we kicking over to episode twelve, which uh, has some of the silliest things that have ever happened because of the introduction of the wild eye. I think. Um, <laughs> Uh, initially, I, I was like pretty worried because it's one of those things I've created all these like different consequences to. Obviously, uh, like listeners might, if you're D and um, D savvy, you might realize this is sort of inspired by a bit like of wild magic or a deck of many things kind of thing, where like some pretty like odd stuff can happen. So I th- designing that made, meant that I had to come up with make some real decisions about the universe that we that that that, that we're playing in and things like that um just in case certain consequences occur uh through looking at it uh, but the fortunately yeah that. nothing strange happens so it wasn't yeah. a problem <laughs> yeah it is interesting to think about how that fight how those fights would have gone had a noose not turned into a giant scorpion right. um well, i i i really liked being a scorpion because i think a noose is like a pretty repressed character like he keeps a lot of his feelings and impulses like reined in and so it was great to like see the giant and just like lunge at it because i'm a big scorpion i'm gonna fight this giant That's uh, yeah i love that moment in the episode like you guys come down the into the main yeah, hall after great. searching everything uh mcginty tries to like strategize and like you guys are like okay maybe we should go this way and then a noose is like thomas i think you're like a noose thinks i'm a giant scorpion and runs and attacks and, like well mcginty's thinking is like if the staff is truly controlling the giants best option would be to go and destroy the staff rather than trying mm-hmm. to fight them all. So that's why he wants to bypass this conflict if possible and just go straight to the the locus yeah, I mean, of control. Yeah. Uh, and Anus is thinking, I am a giant scorpion and he attacks the giant. <laughs> fair point. That's, fair point. That's very fair. Anus. Wow, that's a uh, real tactic. Good on uh, you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it just—it's like his Mister Hyde, and I think like that part of a noose will come out sometimes, probably like yeah. the scorpion brain. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the idea that it's still like in there. Yeah, it's just yeah. recessed a little bit. In, in the movie version of what we do in the basement, a noose will be played by Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> The mummy oh, returns the with a yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> the mummy yeah. returns with that CGI face on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> terrible-looking <laughs> terrible looking CGI face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's where we had Polly the Scorpion, and and, uh, and you guys got to take down a giant and destroy its penis. Uh, I'll say in the last episode, I was pretty surprised that we killed the gold forts. I sort of, I they they were like more, and maybe they'll come back. But I was, I you know they they were the big bads kind of, and so when we, especially when we killed Aster really yeah, quick, I was like, whoa, shot, like yeah. these guys, uh, we they didn't escape. We got them, which was cool because it means like what comes next, like who knows? Yeah, yeah. I I I you know. Designing characters like the Goldforths is a weird thing, especially like somebody like Aster, who is not, uh, it wouldn't seem like, I mean, I guess I could come up with backstory reasons why he might be like a particularly great fighter or something like that. But it just, he was this sniveling sort of like dick who was relying on, on this giants to do his dirty work and these machines to do his dirty work. I, uh, so his stat block is not particularly challenging. And um, I I also had, had, there was a world where they got away, right? I had planned for that right. to be a potential, and for sure. Um, and I think Rael just rolled really well, and McGinty rolled really well on uh, on on. I think McGinty, you crit. I don't know if that was on Ulwick or on Aster, but like uh, Ulwick, Ulwick was a foe to be tangled with, but he's also a spellcasting yeah. foe. So the uh, the spellcasters, at least like at this early stages, aren't their ACs aren't crazy high, and their um their their HP is not like they don't they're not like a huge HP monster. So if you can like strategically get to him, uh, and just subvert some of those disadvantage things, you might be able to take him out. Um, and in order to make the encounter, um. You know, plus I also knew that there was going to be another person involved. So when Felina showed up, mm-hmm. um, that was going to be more of like the damage dealing side of things. While you guys were trying to deal with that, I, uh, you know, it was it was a it was a different thing to try and build, and it, it is really strange to try and play. Uh, even when I've played D anD D, I've never played as a spellcaster. So having like this person be able to cast spells is like <laughs> a big thing. And I'm like, learn. I'm, oh shit! Okay, this is a bonus action. Okay, this is an action. Okay, like you know, uh, trying to figure those things out. But it was it was a really neat fight in how it panned out. Um, I will say, like, I, as, I, as a DM, the choice not to give like Aster, like a like it's a fantasy world. People are like of classes, but for him to be yeah. just like pretty much a rich asshole yeah. like they don't need powers they don't need to be like god like figures all the time they can just be that and that was like a, what, that was a nice refreshing yeah. uh way to go about that fight yeah. one thing that has always been true about the gold force that i've always said is that they've been using other people to get what they need right like they talk mm. about how a like, gold aster talked about how he doesn't like how he believes on doing things yourself but it's bullshit right like he is using like slave labor to get what he wants and so yeah. he's like a libertarian like, he is kind of <laughs> yeah mcginty feels deeply drawn towards there's a little like, bit of yeah <laughs> <laughs> familiarity yeah. there <laughs> and so i don't know I, I i just didn't want to be like i wanted it to be sincere and if you guys killed the gold forts you killed the gold forts like yeah now now we're like think about this we're now in a world where you've gone to the capital city of this country and killed the the (laughs) dictating leaders who were running the country allegedly what the hell is gonna happen now (laughs) i don't fucking know like yeah you know we didn't uh, ponder for too long the consequences of 
killing <laughs> the most powerful people in this country. Are, you are can't think about it. You can't think about it. You do what you have to do in the moment, and you figure it out afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Are exactly. all revolutions this easy? Or <laughs> um, I just wanted to point out, to jump back, I really liked Rael becoming really flustered around Lorenzo. I thought oh, that was a yeah. very, very Beautiful. fun character choice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that was I'm... very much a split moment kind of decision. I don't know where it came from, but I like it because it does somewhat show a softer side. Like there are the halfling children that she hangs out with, but she's never made the time to go actually see them. (laughs) 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 So far in this arc anyway. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's, fun for me to play that up too yeah it was funny like I, I those moments were so strange to me like i i spend time describing what a character looks like and and how they're going to interact with people a little bit and like i thought he'd be charismatic and stuff like that because he's obvious like that's how he's been but like to have him to have him just be like hot to you and <laughs> uh and like there to be like a flirtation there uh is so so like strange but great because like it just it hooks that character in in a different way yeah. right like um actually and, like he's you know where i think it came from it's like when you were describing him you described him to have a like a little bit darker skin like it was more brown yeah. skin and he had pale hair and so then i think just <laughs> split second rail was like oh someone who kind of looks like me <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's right, racist yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i mean the benefit, the benefit of having a dm be a person of color is that i like to willingly just ca- ca- say characters have darker skin without having to explain much um every people- npc in the whole game has like kevin's face on it Kids, <laughs> yeah they all old, look exactly cgi rock yeah. style yeah as as somebody who's like indistinguishable racially like and people often don't know what my very my race is i i'm glad to be able to emphasize that with all of my npcs <laughs> and have them be, yeah unclear and there's I, th- I in episode uh whatever episode i'm editing right now i think is eight uh there's i think we've cut it but there's like twice riffs where jesse's like uh what race are they <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait hold on we, we we cut that out yeah i mean you're, jesse's asking for D race but it, it, yeah, it then, sounds yeah. pretty bad yeah, it does. I, I've I've extracted that audio and we'll be using it to blackmail you. Oh, I can uh, keep it in, in future episodes. Yeah. But um, listen, I think, I think uh, cancel me. I'm ready. Yeah. Anus <laughs> is MAGA, as we established. <laughs> also, yeah, the other thing I also just want to reference that I think is hilarious before we kick off and go into some user questions or viewer uh, viewer audience questions is um. Uh, is that Thomas Thomas does this really funny thing when Anus becomes the scorpion where he's like I'm Polly now because the spell is polymorph and I think you're making a spin on like being polyamorous but everybody like we misunderstand and we decide his name is Polly <laughs> yeah that's Cash that, yeah. Yeah. Of brilliance. just to yeah. clarify I don't know that I meant I was polyamorous either oh I thought that was I the mean, bit I meant it as a joke, but I wasn't uh, yeah. saying. No, yeah, no, 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 yeah. I know. Literally, me and my me and my wife saw right? you across the castle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a noose leaves his keys in the tip jar at the bakery. <laughs> <laughs> People oh, gotta so... stop doing this. <laughs> um, Speaking uh, of jokes, I had a joke that I was like trying to save for that staff, and then we broke it, and now it's gone. <laughs> All right, let's what hear was it. it? Well, like, because uh, I wanted it to be the staff of Idris Alba, 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for that. When I named it, I was like, which one of these motherfuckers is going to call me? The staff it was me. It was going to be me. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. race I mean, is that, staff? Yeah. <laughs> you can't ask the staff what race it is, Jesse. Yeah. The thing is, every staff has been white previously, so it would be weird to suddenly have a black staff after like, all of these other. Timothy Dalton has beef with the staff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh boy! Oh boy! Okay. Well, does anyone have anything else they want to cite back before we kick it off with some, no, some let's audience do questions? questions? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking through these here. Um, uh, we've got some. So we've got, we we just kind of reached out to some of the people that we know listen to the podcast initially. Please, if you're listening, uh, by all means, feel free to send us questions at wwditb at gmail dot com, uh, and we will we will come to those next time we come to a recap episode. Um, I, I I guess uh, some of these are just like straight up backstory questions, um, but I I do think uh, I do think one of the questions I like here is Chloe asks us what is McGinty's favorite thing to make. McGinty, what is his favorite thing to make? What's like his signature? Um, thank you, Chloe. Um, it's a great question. Uh, so <laughs> I think McGinty. Um, one of the reasons he likes baking, and I haven't really gotten into this, is uh, McGinty really really enjoys executing something very difficult very well. And that is baking a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so he's working on a dish he, or, or a, a dessert that he hasn't been able to complete yet. It's just too challenging. And it's called the baked Danatar. So it's a sponge <laughs> cake. And then I believe it's some sort of a custard. It's ice cream, rather. And then it's meringue over top. And then you have to light it on fire. Um, so it's, with, sorry, with a magical, layer by layer, we've got sponge cake, yeah. ice cream, and, and then, then meringue. what? And then meringue. it's a meringue on top. And you have to heat it up with a magical flame. It can't just be regular flame. Oh, shit. And uh, the trick is to not melt the ice cream, but okay. to roast the meringue. And so this is McGinty's uh, pet project, and he just he's never been able to do it yet. Um, <laughs> and so he really wants to, to do it. I think butter tarts are just like his go-to. That's what his bakery's known for. So that would like sort be of, his... It's his bread and butter tarts? It's his bread and... Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, exactly. But I think, yeah. The baked Danatar is like his white whale. <laughs> I love that. Chloe also very food focused. Uh, also <laughs> asked us how Frank got into the spice game. Uh, so Frank, how he got into the spice game. He was a farmer. It was mostly wheats and grains. You know, bland things. <laughs> Uh, Every farmer who listens to the podcast yeah. just shut Take off their... Take that, all of our rural just audience in Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all unsubscribe and hate us now. Uh, uh, so, living this life, uh, he actually discovered his love of spices uh, in his necromancy school uh, at the Faust Academy, where okay. he, uh, he learned about, like, reanimation and, like, imposing your will on someone uh, a body i guess uh and adding your own like flair to it and he found spices uh you know they bring life it's like it's like the soul would feel it's so hot it would come oh, okay. back better and he was like i could do cool stuff with spices let's put this in everything love it love it that's great <laughs> I have a nice little question here from uh, James, and uh, it's, has Anus ever had a best friend, and were they real? Um, <laughs> well, leading as, question. As Anus yeah. says, a boy's best friend is his mother, and I think he, he did have a very close relationship with his mother. They spent a lot of time together. They did their lessons. Once in a while, they would play a game. Um, so yeah, he's had a best friend before, um, and it was yeah. her. Yeah, there's some, there's some like, there's some questions that we've gotten from users about 
like is mother Anusa's real mother and things like that. And I think those are things that we're excited yeah. to explore a little bit in the podcast. I don't, and I don't want to reveal hand. too much, but I, I hope that mother, yeah, that we get to explore more who and what mother was and is and all of that. Right. I think right. Be um, cool. one, one fun uh, question we've got here that I think is interesting um, is there's sort of two, and I'll let Tash, Tash, uh What did Rael do for fun in the Underdark? This is quite <laughs> close as well. And, and also, what, did Rael used to have a job? Which is uh, <laughs> a funny thing uh, to ask. Um, yeah. The second one, I don't really... Uh, odd question. I, um, I can't... Did Rael have a job? Just... Like, good question, but something, I will be honest, I didn't really ever think of for Rael. <laughs> Um, yeah. Is she a taxpayer? <laughs> <laughs> um, she just collected EI. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, so for as for the job thing, I would say no. She was in exile very young and has been pretty much mm-hmm. on the run for her entire life. Uh, yeah. So no, no to the job thing. Uh, as for fun for in the Underdark... Uh, can't say that the Underdark's a super duper fun place. Um, but when <laughs> she could get away, uh, she would <laughs> uh, hide in her closet and then listen to Duft Pank on her headphones. <laughs> what is Duft Pank? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. That, the, could, I the, believe this was canonized in a previous yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. I think in one of the intros. Can, right? can I ask Natasha? Um, does the Underdog have like board games? Like, is there fun there? Like, well, so uh, how much do I want to get? It's only this? Mono- It's only Monopoly. Oh, that's a, that's a <laughs> <Yes>. nightmare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like Clue, but there's a murder in every room by everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick out the innocent person. Yeah. If it wasn't you, you you lose. <laughs> Sorry, Tash, I interrupted you for a joke. No, it's fine. It's a pretty like it's a heavy. I would say, um, dictator is ship authoritarianism kind of deal in the art underdark where like mm-hmm. everybody is underneath lost thumb and her uh, priestesses. So, uh, not a whole lot of fun. And if it's done, it's done in secret. <laughs> This sounds like Amazon right now. <laughs> <laughs> Rail's old job was a delivery oh driver God. for Amazon. Yeah. Um, she, they would never. They were never allowed to take short rests. No. Yeah. <laughs> I guess she was tr- in training to be like a scout or something like that because she wasn't really uh, magically influenced. So the world of a priestess was way out. So yeah. that was her job. Oh. She was in training to be a scout. I guess. Yeah, that works. That makes sense to me. Uh, one fun question we have from Ariel here is, um, is, is Fr- well, they asked, is Frank's last name Stein? But I prefer <laughs> the question, what is Frank's last name? But I also don't think that we necessarily like need to know that yet. And uh, there was a hilarious rift that happened where we tried to figure out why Frank was called Frank the Bloodpath Abomination. And I believe we ended up somewhere discussing tomato soup, uh, if I'm not mistaken. To be clear, we started off with, why does he have that name? And we ended it off with is Frank even a necromancer? And he was <laughs> doubting completely whether he was. Reality. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, right. The, there was a there was a, a possibility that Frank had gone to necromancy school and learned how to cook and hadn't learned how to be a necromancer. And like they were uh, all bullying him, and that wasn't like that wasn't hazing. Like they just 
We're bullies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but there's that. Also, the other question that I see here is uh, probably for me. Uh, says, which person has the longest tangential monologues that have to be edited out? The fun part about that is that the the answer is also me. Um, uh, because I'm the one who always has these rambling, talking things where I'm cutting through. I cut. There's something very sad that happens to your ego when you have to listen to hours of yourself talking to your friends and making jokes and you have to edit it and cut away things and... You, I've heard myself make jokes that don't land so many times. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm he always adds in laughter, though, in the end. Yeah, that was a joke. Sorry, guys. Yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> I'm cutting in. I'm cutting in your laughter always. If you listen closely, it's very. It's just like the same canned piece of laughter from episode one constantly. Uh, uh, why don't we end on a more world-building question? Uh, for yeah, you, I think. I, I. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Uh, this is from Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. Mm-hmm. Does Willowhelm have a sports team? Oh. If so, what is their mascot? I, I do have an answer for this, actually. So uh, the prevailing like sort of popular sport in Willowhelm, uh, and and it's not it's not just Dan, it's not Willowhelm. It's Danatar itself, the country of Danatar. Um, the 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 main sport that people kind of are interested in, uh, that the sort of main communities kind of all have like a league that they play in. Uh, is known as Tarask Ball uh, or T Ball, <laughs> and um, uh, so, well played. Something you'll, something you'll learn is that Frank used to play on the Tarask Ball team uh, when he was at uh, the Faust Academy of Necromancy and stuff. But also that um, that like it's it's a real thing. I do have to figure out exactly what the mechanics for T Ball are, uh, well, but they a, exist. The ball's on a stand of the Tarask yep. Ball, but there's also a pitcher for yeah, some reason. Yeah, there's also a pitcher. Yeah, yeah, that's really pitcher. important. And the, the pitcher and, tries yeah. to knock the ball off the stand into the bat. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. feel like Willowhelm's mascot would probably just be a tree. And yeah. they wouldn't like do any fun movements or anything. They would just kind of stand on the sidelines motionless. See, I, I, I pictured it, it as a, uh, like a slab of meat because of all the butcher shops. <laughs> Very oh, good. Oh man. Oh man. Um but yeah, I guess I guess that's that's kind of that's kind of all all the questions that we probably have time Ooh. for today folks. Um uh, thank you so much for tuning into this recap episode. We're really excited to kick things off on our next arc and get things going and see what happens to the folks uh in Elderock and see how they handle things in the city, in the big city. Um but yeah, thank you thank you so much for tuning in. Uh just just another little reminder. I'm going to put these in every every now and then. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, please rate it five stars. Uh, that matters a lot to us and actually really helps get our visibility up there so it can really help and if you have friends that like D&D please tell them about the show we've been so 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 lucky to have so many people tuning in so soon and uh, we'd just love to see see it grow and get out there yeah. I'd uh, also just say like let's say the email one more time um, and then if you do have questions please send them but also like suggestions for what you want from these reflection episodes if you liked this or you hated it i mean we would love to know because this is our first time trying this more bonus content that you guys would maybe want to hear more of things like that by all means send it in feedback is important to us and uh and helps us know kind of what yeah. you guys yeah. want if you uh, want me to dm an all rat campaign starting yes. the rats that were cut from episode yeah. three let me know Called Jesse's Rat Corner. 
it's going to be called the Rat King or something. I don't know. Well, that's when we combine all the episodes because they're tangled together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess uh, I, 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 Thomas, tell me you have a quote. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was waiting, no. I was waiting wait. for a quote. This is the first episode. I, wait, give this? me a second. Oh, no. Um, okay, I found a quote. Uh, it's by uh, Eugene. <laughs> wait. Eugene. Eugene. Oh, it's by Eugene Ionesco, who actually is one of the oh. people through whom Kevin That's and I awesome. met. We directed a play by him. Um, yeah, but the it's the first a, play we ever did. Yeah, The Bald Soprano. A little thank you to our audience. Uh, he said, It is not the answer that enlightens, but the question. Oh, mm. brilliant. We'll see you next time in the basement. Serious peaking going on in your mind. Bonus, bonus, episode. Bonus. Oh yeah, bump, bump. Oh yeah.